European Heart Journal, Issue at a Glance. Volume 44, Issue 4. Focus Issue, Ischemic Heart Disease. By Editor-in-Chief, Professor Filippo Crea. Read to you by Morgan Bryan. Ischemic Heart Disease, Antithrombotic Treatment and New Therapeutic Targets. This issue contains the first two contributions from our annual series summarising the most important publications in the past year in different areas of cardiovascular medicine. The year in cardiovascular medicine, 2022, the top 10 papers in dyslipidemias, is contributed by the European Heart Journal editors of the Dyslipidemias team, Lale Tokozoglu, Karl Oringer, and Alberico Catapano. The lipid-lowering landscape is rapidly evolving, and several trials published this year provide new insights. The authors explore these and put them into perspective. In The Year in Cardiovascular Medicine 2022, the top 10 papers in interventional cardiology. The European Heart Journal editors of the interventional cardiology team, Emmanuel Barbato, Tommaso Gori, and Margaret McOntergaard, note that congresses, in person or in hybrid format, including EuroPCR, ECS, and TCT, took place again, allowing the return of scientific exchange in the previously known formats, now enriched by virtual remote hubs. Despite the pandemic affecting the recruitment rates and consequent delayed publication of several randomized clinical trials, or RCTs, the field has significantly advanced in several areas, as highlighted in the 10 papers selected for their viewpoint. The issue continues with a focus on ischemic heart disease, highlighting thrombosis and antithrombotic treatment, which play a key role in several cardiovascular or CV diseases. In a special article entitled Acute, Periprocedural and Long-Term Antithrombotic Therapy in Older Adults 2022 Update by the ESC Working Group on Thrombosis Felicia Andreotti and colleagues from the Fondazione Policlinico Universitario Gemelli ERCCS in Rome, Italy note that the first international guidance on antithrombotic therapy in the elderly came from the European Society of Cardiology Working Group on Thrombosis in 2015. This same group has updated its previous report on antiplatelets and anticoagulant drugs for older patients with acute or chronic coronary syndromes, atrial fibrillation, or undergoing surgery or procedures typical of the elderly, transcatheter aortic valve implantation and left atrial appendage closure. The aim is to provide a succinct but comprehensive tool for readers to understand the basis of antithrombotic therapy in older patients, despite the complexities of comorbidities, co-medications and uncertain ischemic versus bleeding risk balance. Fourteen updated consensus statements integrate recent trial data and other evidence, with a focus on high bleeding risk. Guideline recommendations, when present, are highlighted as are gaps in evidence. Key consensus points include efforts to improve medical adherence through desubscribing and polypill use, adoption of universal risk definitions for bleeding, myocardial infarction, or MI, 
stroke and cause-specific death, and multiple bleeding avoidance strategies, ranging from gastroprotection with aspirin use to selection of antithrombotic drug composition, dosing, and duration tailored to multiple variables. Setting, history, overall risk, age, weight, renal function, co-medications and procedures that need special consideration when managing older adults. Anticoagulants are the cornerstone for prevention and treatment of thrombosis, but are not completely effective and concerns about the risk of bleeding continue to limit their uptake. In a state-of-the-art review article entitled Factor 11 Inhibitors Cardiovascular Perspectives. Raffaella de Catarina and colleagues from Pisa University Hospital in Italy indicate that animal studies and experience from patients with genetic coagulation factor 11 deficiency, which suggests that this factor is more important for thrombosis than hemostasis, raises the potential for drugs that target factor 11 to provide safer anticoagulation. Multiple factor 11 inhibitors are currently under evaluation in clinical trials, including parentally administered antisense oligonucleotides, monoclonal antibodies, and oral active small molecule inhibitors. Promising results of phase 2 trials in patients undergoing major orthopedic surgery and in those with end-stage kidney disease, atrial fibrillation, and acute coronary syndromes have led to large phase 3 trials that are currently ongoing. The authors review premises for the use of these agents, results so far accrued, ongoing studies and perspectives for future patient care. Levels of growth differentiation factor 15 or GDF15, a cytokine secreted in response to cellular stress and inflammation, have been associated with multiple types of cardiovascular events. In a clinical research article entitled Growth Differentiation Factor 15 and Cardiovascular Risk Individual Patient Meta-Analysis Eri Todakato and colleagues from the Kyoto University Hospital in Japan note that its comparative prognostic performance across different presentations of atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease or ASCVD remains unknown. An individual patient meta-analysis was performed using data pooled from eight trials including 53,486 patients. Baseline GDF15 concentration was analysed as a continuous variable and established cutoff points, less than 1,200 nanograms per litre, 1,200 to 1,800 nanograms per litre, and greater than 1,800 nanograms per litre, were used to evaluate its prognostic performance for CV death stroke hospitalisation for heart failure, or HHF, Major Adverse Cardiovascular Events, or MACE, and their components using COX models adjusted for clinical variables and established CV biomarkers. Analyses were further stratified on ASCVD status, acute coronary syndrome, or ACS, stabilised after recent ACS, and stable ASCVD. Overall, higher GDF15 concentrations were significantly and independently associated with an increased rate of CV death stroke HHF and MACE, P being less than 0.001 for each. 
However, while GDF-15 showed a robust and consistent independent association with CV death and HHF across all presentations of ASCVD, its prognostic association with future MI and stroke only remains significant in patients stabilised after recent ACS or with stable ASCVD. Hazard ratio, or HR, 1.24 and HR 1.16 for MI and stroke respectively, and not in ACS. The authors conclude that GDF-15 consistently adds prognostic information for CV death and HHF across the spectrum of ASCVD. GDF-15 also adds prognostic information for MI and stroke beyond clinical risk factors and cardiac biomarkers, but not in the setting of ACS. This manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Christian Müller and Tamar Munch-Gerber from the University Hospital Basel in Switzerland and Rudolf de Boer from the Thorax Centre in Rotterdam, the Netherlands. The authors conclude that we still have many clear clinical needs in CV disease. Future clinical studies should predominantly assess the possible clinical utility of novel cardiovascular biomarkers in clinical settings with a major unmet clinical need despite the use of the cardiac-specific biochemical signals, high-sensitivity cardiac troponin, or HSCTN, and brain natriuretic protein, stroke N-terminal pro-brain natriuretic protein, or BNP stroke NT pro BNP. These include, for example, the early diagnosis of acute MI in patients remaining in the observed zone of the ESC 0-1HHS-CTN algorithm, the non-invasive discrimination of type 1 versus type 2 acute MI, the simple and inexpensive non-invasive detection of functionally relevant coronary artery disease, or CAD, in stable outpatients, the detection of an ACS as a trigger of acute HF, the early identification of patients who had a cardiac origin of their syncope, and subclinical HF with ambiguous imaging results and natriuretic peptides in the grey zone. Future clinical studies should ideally assess the possible clinical utility of novel cardiovascular biomarkers in such clinical settings. Biomarkers filling these gaps will undoubtedly be used at a massive scale and will help us advance the care of our patients. Endothelia dysfunction play a key role in atherosclerosis. In a translational research article entitled Vinculin Phosphorylation Impairs Vascular Endothelial Junctions Promoting Atherosclerosis, Yutsang Shi and colleagues from the National Health Research Institutes in Taiwan noted that atherosclerosis preferentially develops in arterial branches and curvatures where vascular endothelium is exposed to disturbed flow. In this study, the effects of disturbed flow on the regulation of vascular endothelial phosphoproteins and their contribution to therapeutic application in atherogenesis were elucidated. Porcine models, large-scale phosphoproteomics, transgenic mice, and clinical specimens were used to discover novel site-specific phosphorylation alterations induced by disturbed flow in endothelial cells, or ECs. A large-scale phosphoproteomics analysis of native endothelium from disturbed, atherosusceptible, 
versus pulsatile flow, atheroresistant regions of porcine aortas, led to the identification of the novel atherosclerosis-related phosphoprotein vinculin, or VCL, with disturbed flow-induced phosphorylation at serin 721 or VCLS721P. The induction of VCLS721P was mediated by G-protein-coupled receptor kinase 2, or GRK2S29P, and resulted in an inactive form of VCL with a closed conformation, leading to disruption of the VE-cadrin-stroke-catenin complex to enhance endothelial permeability and atherogenesis. The generation of novel apolipoprotein E deficient or ApoE knockout mice overexpressing the S721 non-phosphorylatable VCL mutant in ECs confirmed the critical role of VCLS721P in promoting atherosclerosis. The administration of a GRK2 inhibitor to ApoE knockout mice suppressed plaque formation by inhibiting endothelial VCLS721P. Studies on clinical specimens from patients with CAD revealed that endothelial VCLS721P is a critical clinicopathological biomarker for atherosclerosis progression, and that serum VCLS721P level is a promising biomarker for CAD diagnosis. The authors conclude that the findings of this study indicate that endothelial VCLS721P is a valuable hemodynamic-based target for clinical assessment and treatment of vascular disorders resulting from atherosclerosis. The contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Fabrizia Bonaccina and Giuseppe Danilo Norata from the University of Milan in Italy. The authors indicate that the study by Xi et al. opens up a new direction in the field of endothelial function in the context of CV diseases by pointing towards the possibility of modulating vinculin phosphorylation to preserve VE cadrin junctions and endothelial barrier integrity. How this can be achieved selectively remains an open question for pharmacologists. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will be of interest to its listeners.